Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, what the Wolves need to change ASAP as they head into a tough weekend of games at Memphis and at Cleveland Friday and Sunday, respectively. We'll break that all down. Uh, the wake of a t- another terrible loss on Wednesday, comments from Chris Finch and others uh, following practice. We'll talk about all that here today on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. Happy weekend. And a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, really anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also now watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app, which you can find both on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. This show, as well as all of your other favorite Lockdown Minnesota podcasts, more great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. Lastly, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T and also at B Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. So the Wolves are not in a good spot. Um, I know I'm breaking news by saying that. They're five and seven now. And this, you know, last year they started four and nine. Um, but, I, you know, expectations were obviously much higher, et cetera. I, I had a couple of shows this week where I kind of just laid that all bare. Um, and if you missed Wednesday's game, you know, go listen to Thursday's podcast. I, I was fairly blunt. Uh, Marnie Gellner and I in the live postcast Wednesday, same thing, um, where like, hey, this is where we're at. Like, there's there's nothing else really. We can't sugarcoat how badly the Wolves have played. And, and I'll, I'll reiterate these points I made yesterday on the show. The Wolves have lost three out of their last four games by double figures. Not three out of the last four losses, three out of the last four games. They beat Houston on Saturday. But the other three losses, three out of the last four games, have all been double-digit losses. They've lost five of six, and all five losses have been not by nine points or more. And of their seven losses to this point this season, only one of them was really competitive, a competitive loss, a truly competitive loss. That was the overtime loss to Utah. The other losses were all blowouts. Some appeared closer than others. I think at Phoenix was maybe the only other somewhat competitive loss where the Wolves kind of hung around for most of the game. It never really felt like they were going to win, but the others were really blowouts. Even though they lost by, what was it, 12 or 13 on Wednesday, that game was 27 points and it never really felt, or 24 points, it never really felt close. Ditto to both of the San Antonio losses, really. Um, So this is we're not in a good place here. In terms of where the wolves sit, uh, five and seven wouldn't be good. But the the type of five and seven, not all five and sevens are created equal, right? Four and nine felt gro- gross last year. I don't think the vibes were quite what they are now, right? Um, there was expectation the wolves would be better last year, but it was still for Chris Finch's first year as full year as head coach. It was still, um, you know, Ant's second season. It was still Carl Anthony Towns having not played a full year in a couple of seasons due to injuries and COVID, et cetera. And last year was also just kind of a weird year coming out of and into shortened season because of COVID. Um, But this year, 
Rudy Gobert is on the roster now. They, they added another All-NBA talent. They have three players that were in the ESPN Top 25. They have three guys who very well could be All-Stars this year, two that have been, well, actually three that have been All-Stars if you include D'Lo, and a couple All-NBA centers. And, and and yet they're five and seven and and have not played well. I said this the other day, this was before Wednesday's debacle, after Monday's, uh, we're two debacles into this week, if you're keeping track. Last year, the Wolves started four and nine. Last year, the Celtics started 16 and 18, and lost to the Wolves at the end of December, a very shorthanded Wolves team that was playing Chris Silva off the bench and, and Jake Lehman played 24 minutes and like four out of five starters were out of the lineup. Actually, I think all five starters were out of the lineup for the Wolves. The Celtics lost. The Celtics fell as low as 18 and 21 as late as January 6th. They didn't get above 500 for good until January 29th. And the Boston Celtics won the finals last year. They had a brand new head coach, or sorry, not won the finals, went to the finals last year to represent the Eastern Conference. Um, and that was with a brand new head coach, I guess largely the same roster as the year prior, but a new coach. So there is hope. I, like, I think it's important to say that. Like, on the one hand, we can be absolutely critical of where the Wolves sit now and understand that they are not playing well. They're not playing anywhere close to well. They're not playing hard, which is the biggest issue. I harped on this. I harped on effort, effort, effort. I don't know, almost every, probably every day this week on the show. Certainly following Wednesday's game, certainly following Monday's game. Um, They're not playing well. They're not playing hard. They're not playing together. There's there's really nothing good about how they're playing. We can say that and still say, well, you know, they're still only 12 games into the season, which like, you know, we could keep saying that, but we're, we're, you get to 20, we're talking about the quarter pool of the season. We're only a couple weeks away from that, two, three, three weeks away, really. So I think both can be true, right? They can both be playing terribly and we can acknowledge that, hey, the season's far from over. There's a lot of time to write this ship. Both are true in this instance with the Timberwolves. I don't think there's any question about that at all. Um, related to Wednesday's game, we, we talked, uh, pretty much ad nauseum about the issues the Wolves had contesting threes, the defensive coverages. Um, I, I continue to feel this way related to the defense. It's more about want to, than it is about not understanding. I, uh, there was some comments on Twitter about like, Hey, is this Chris Fitch? Like, do they not know what they're supposed to be doing? Well, I mean, Hey, they're pro basketball players. They're being asked to play a zone. Like I learned zone when I was in middle school, right? Like every, every, if you are in the NBA, you should know what your responsibilities are in a zone coverage defensively. Now, the Wolves shouldn't have to be playing zone as much as they have been lately. Um, that's essentially the fallback because nobody can can actually maintain their man-to-man responsibilities and understand what they're supposed to do in pick and roll, or at least execute in pick and roll. It's a way to try and cover for guards that can't get through ball screens. It's a way to try and cover for guys that are unable or unwilling to contest three-point shooters. So yeah, I mean, like, at some point, coaching gets called into question. And, and for a team that's underperforming, you have to talk about the coach. They, like nobody's saying Chris Finch is blameless, but the players have to play hard. The players have to put forth an effort before we can sit here and say, oh man, Chris Finch is the problem. Like, I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's where we're at. Now, again, at some point he's like, the head coach's role in the NBA, there is a sense of motivation there. Like, I mean, we could play the, hey, they're professionals all day long, but it's about managing personalities. It's about, motivating uh, guys that might need that extra push. It's about managing rotations and managing expectations among players and those personalities. And you look at the best coaches in NBA history and they were all good at those things. Um, and, and to this point, we've heard about how Chris Finch is a very relational coach and he does a good job with that. And we'll see if he can pull them out of this tailspin. He pulled them out of four and nine last year. He got them to 46 wins in the playoffs. I don't think it's time to to start. Like we could question some of the rotation decisions. Um, certainly, but like, we're all just feeling this thing out still. We're, we're 12 games into it, right? 
Um, and he didn't even really have a full rotation in preseason to play with either. So this is like behind where you'd even expect the Wolves to be in terms of understanding what they really have and who's going to be playing together in what lineup groupings. Chris Finch said this at practice on Thursday. He was asked about the starting lineup and if they would shake something up, but he said they've talked about it, they've thought about it, but he's not convinced that that's the problem at this stage, that that's necessarily going to solve anything, Um, which I appreciate, right? Like you, you could do the mix things up thing, but again, 12 games in, like, this is the start, like the only real possible change you could make, like you're not going to bench D'Angelo Russell yet. Like they're not to that point. I would agree with anyone that says he's playing the worst of any Timberwolves starter, not on Wednesday. Ant was by far the Wolves' worst starter, but the body of work over 12 games, I get why you why you would bench D'Lo from a basketball perspective, but there's more to it than that, right? You have to factor in personalities, contract, et cetera. That does matter, uh, like it or not. It's part of the calculation. We're talking an 82-game season. It's game we're going into game 13. You don't pull the plug on D'Lo as a starter, as a max contract player who was brought in to pair with Carl Thitty Towns, who you won 46 games with last year as your starting point guard. Say what you will about D'Lo, but all those are facts, right? The only possible change would be to put Jaden McDaniels on the bench and to start Torian Pritz or Kyle Anderson. But Jaden McDaniels is generally playing well. If he stays on the floor and stays out of foul trouble, and if he gets into foul trouble, then you're doing effectively doing the same thing anyway because you're playing Prince or Anderson with that group regardless. And it's not like Prince or Anderson is playing, certainly in the last few games, they haven't played better than McDaniel. So I don't know what shaking up the lineup would really do. So I agree with Chris Finch when he says that like, hey, this isn't, you know, I don't know that that does anything for us. So don't expect any changes there. I should also note, I do want to preview the game Friday, but Nas Reed will not be available Friday. Apparently he's still ill, although Austin Rivers is not on the injury report that was released on Thursday during the day. So um, we will, uh, we'll keep an eye on that as we go into the game Friday. I want to preview the matchup. I want to talk Wolves Memphis, and then I want to briefly talk Wolves Cleveland because they play the Cavs on Sunday. So we'll do all that here on the show. First though, um, today's episode is brought to us by our friends over at bet online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from basketball to football to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. The weekend, still fantastic. College football season's got, what, like three weeks left in the regular season before we get into that weird gap before bowls. So you got like three more weeks of great college football plus the teeth of the NFL season, basketball weekend, baseball's over now, but like everything else is happening. November is a really good sports month. So now's the time to get over to Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at Bet Online. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix over at Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen today. Now for your second listen, go check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's talk Wolves Grizz. And uh, there's no better place to start here than looking back at last season. Over the course of the regular season, the Wolves and Memphis played each other Four times, um, there were only a couple games where they were, both teams were basically full strength. I think Ant missed one game. I think Ja missed one game, I believe. Um, 
in the regular season, one of the biggest takeaways that I had going into the playoffs was how well D'Angelo Russell had played against the Grizzlies. That was a big talking point heading into that series. Everybody was worried about the physicality of Jaron Jackson Jr. Everyone was worried about how Carl Anthony Towns would deal with the massive front court that Memphis has and how the Wolves would keep in check Dylan Brooks, who always seems to kill them, et cetera, and obviously Ja. Um, in the playoffs, a lot of that didn't exactly turn out to be an issue. Yes, Dylan Brooks was still great. That was probably the one that was the most true of the ones I just listed. Um, and Desmond Bain obviously was phenomenal. We'll talk more about him in a minute. But the Wolves actually did a pretty good job on John Morant. And we'll talk about that too. And looking at the Grizzlies roster now, oh, and I should also point out that going back to the very first thing I said about the matchup, D'Lo had a miserable playoff series, right? He did not play well at all against the Grizzlies last year in the playoffs. In fact, I have his numbers right here. And they're not great. Uh, D'Lo last year, over six playoff games against Memphis, averaged 12 points on 33% shooting, 12 shots per game. So 12 points on 12 shots, which, uh, I mean, that's not good. <laughs> um, 33% shooting from the field for D'Lo. He was 38% on threes, 38.7 he averaged 6.7 assists. So 12 points, 6.7 assists, and nearly three turnovers per game. And again, shot 33% from the floor across the six games. Um, now, on the flip side, the Wolves did a good job on John Morant. That was mostly Anthony Edwards, by the way. Ant wanted to guard Ja and did a pretty good job. There were a couple of exceptions, obviously, and Ja was big in some of those you know, second half collapses the Wolves had. But Morant had 21.5 points per game during the series on just under 39% shooting. So they held him to 38.6% shooting, 20% from three. He did get 11 free throws per game. Remember, that was a common theme of that series was the Wolves. Their MO during the season was they fouled a ton, and it happened again in the series. It was a huge part of the Wolves-Grizzlies playoff matchup last year. It was just the Wolves could not stop fouling. To this point this season, by the way, um, the Wolves have been a little bit better in that regard. Fouls per game haven't been great. And of course, McDaniels and Towns are primary culprits there, but they've been mostly avoiding putting opponents on the on the line. Um, through 12 games, the Wolves are sixth in free throw rate, opponent free throw rate defensively. So they've done a pretty good job of that. But again, it's always been an issue against Memphis. And also to this point in the season, I should point out that the Grizzlies, again, in the current season now we're talking about, offensively are 27th in free throw rate. So they're not doing a great job of getting to the line. So that math at least sitting here right now, coming into the game through small sample size of 12 games for each team, um, that works in the Wolves' favor. They're not following it, or they're not allowing a ton of opponent free throws, and Memphis isn't getting a ton of them. Now, last year in the playoff series, John Rant got 11 per game. Brandon Clark got six free throws per game. He's playing really well so far for their uh, shorthanded front court as well. Of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. out for at least another four to six weeks from right now, if not longer, probably into January. So Brandon Clark's playing a lot more. Um, the starting lineup for Memphis looks a little bit different than what we got used to last year. Still, um, still Steven Adams, uh, to deal with there in Memphis. Um, but they're also starting, uh, they're also starting, uh, Santi Aldama. I think I said that right, right? Santi Aldama. Um, yeah, Santi Aldama. I psyched myself out. They're starting Santi Aldama and, uh, Steven Adams. So it's a big starting front court. There isn't as much size off the bench. Remember, Brandon Clark isn't huge in terms of backup bigs. Um, you know, he's like six, eight ish and he's kind of it, right? They start basically their two, seven footers that aren't Jaron Jackson. So, um, like the wolves actually have the size advantage in this matchup, which is not something you could have necessarily said going into the playoffs last year when they had Carl Anthony Towns at the five, 
Nas wasn't really consistently in the rotation. Um, and so it was, it was Towns and it was Jared Vanderbilt. And uh, I should say Nas got rotation minutes as the backup five, but he wasn't, um, as big of a piece as he may be here in, in this particular game or would have been, I should say, if he hadn't been in or if he wasn't sick, but Nas last year in the playoffs only played in five of the six games and he averaged 11 minutes per game in the games he got into and just wasn't a big part of what the Wolves were doing. It was all about Towns. It was all about Vanderbilt. Um, and that was essentially their size, right? Jaden McDaniels, Torian Prince were the only other guys that played any minutes at the four in that series for Minnesota. So size isn't necessarily a thing to be worried about in this one. Um, but going back again to last year's playoffs from the Wolves side, Anthony Edwards was fantastic in that series, 39 minutes per game, 25 points per game, shot 45% from the field and 40% from three. Carlton Towns was great too, 22 points, 12 rebounds per game, 49% from the field and 45 and a half percent from three. Ant and Cat were by far the Wolves' best two players. They just didn't get a ton of help in this series. So obviously neither of those guys played well Wednesday. Towns been, has generally been the Wolves' best player over the last 10 days or so. But they need Ant to come to play in the worst way for so many reasons on Friday in Memphis. And who knows? I mean, this matchup may just be enough. Ant actually said something post-game on Wednesday about how maybe Memphis could bring it out of them. Something to that effect, I'm paraphrasing. But like, it's kind of sad, but it's also like whatever it takes, right? Whatever's going to light a fire under you. And if it's the team that you don't like that you lost to in the playoffs last year and you're trying to, you know, John Morant is that that other kind of young superstar that that everybody loves, all the kids love Ant, all the kids love Ja. Ant's one year behind him. We've talked at length on the show about the jaw-like third-year leap that we're hoping Ant makes. He's the furthest thing from that sitting here right now. Could this be the matchup when people hear about like, hey, John Morant, you know, like this isn't being billed as Ant versus jaw because Ant has been so disappointing, right? The 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 promos on ESPN all have Carl Anthony Towns. Like, is that going to wake Ant up? Does he care? I don't know. It feels like the sort of thing he might care about. Uh, remember what he said about the fans in Memphis? Like maybe there's something there where they get him going. Now, Here's hoping they get him going to the tune of smart shots, good passing. If he wants to be ball dominant, fine, but pass the basketball, Anthony Edwards, and not just the tunnel vision, you know, probing, probing, step back jumper, um, you know, going to get into the paint, not really fight through contact, and then get mad that I don't get a foul call and not get back defensively, because that's what we've seen over the past week and a half or so from Anthony Edwards, two weeks. Um, Which Ant is going to show up in Memphis? I have a feeling, just a feeling that maybe, just maybe, this is a, a fire that can light underneath Ant. Just playing at Memphis on ESPN, national TV game in that 8.30 p.m. Central window on Friday. This might be something that gets him going. You know, the, just the matchup and, and the circumstances could get him going. For the Wolves offensively, going back to the series last year, nobody else averaged more than 12 points per game, and that was D'Lo on 33% shooting. Remember, the Wolves featured Patrick Beverly, Beverly a little bit to try and take advantage of Jaw on defense, and it worked in stretches, uh, but like that was only a really temporary solution, and ultimately it didn't it didn't it didn't pan out for the Wolves. Um, so I don't know, like I like Jaw obviously can be taken advantage advantage of defensively. The Wolves need to to hunt that matchup, whether it's D'Lo or whether I doubt they try and put him on Jaden McDaniels. Jaden's been good enough offensively. If he can stay out of foul trouble, he could perhaps have a big game against Memphis. I think that's on the table here. Um, Memphis doesn't really have anybody in their starting lineup that's going to that's really going to check him and do a good job of it. I don't think, um, I mean, like sitting here right now, like who's on the wing for them, right? You have Jai, you have Dylan Brooks, you have Desmond Bain. I don't know which of those guys is really going to be able to stop McDaniel's length. Um, there's things to like about Dylan Brooks, but his 
defensive consistency is not one of them. I will say he always kills the Wolves, Wolves on offense. Last year in the series, Dylan Brooks averaged, uh, what, 16.5 points per game on 38% shooting, but he was 37% from three. So far this season, Dylan Brooks isn't quite shooting the ball that well all the way around. Oh, no, he's 42% from three. He's 40% from the floor. Um, but I I think the Wolves could find something in Jaden McDaniels in this game on the wing. I think he has the opportunity to do some damage against Memphis in this matchup. Okay, I want to close out a couple more thoughts on the matchup. Things Memphis does well as a team that the Wolves may or may not match up well against. I want to hit a couple of those, and we'll close with a quick discussion on the Cleveland Cavaliers as well. All right, a couple final thoughts on Wolves-Grizzlies. Memphis is a, as a team, Memphis is still a dangerous team on the glass. Um, Even without Jaron Jackson Jr., they're second in offensive rebound rate league-wide. Brandon Clark's a huge part of that. He's fantastic on the glass, um, and the Wolves are going to have to deal with him. Uh, Steven Adams, of course, he's actually, I think he might be leading the league in offensive rebound, right? Xavier Tillman, when he gets into the game is also a good offensive rebounder. Santi Aldama, who I mentioned earlier, like almost to a player, they're a strong offensive rebounding team, um, defensively rebounding the ball. They're not nearly as good. Um, Adams and Brandon Clark are kind of the two. You have to check on that out of the floor, but they're 25th in defensive rebound rate. So The wolves have some opportunities for second chance points, especially if Adams and or Aldama are not on the floor, if one or both of them ends up in foul trouble, or if they're, you know, rotation wise, if one of them is not on the floor between Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns. And, um, I mean, I guess unless Nate Knight sees regular minutes, we're looking at another shorthanded front court for Minnesota. Um, you know, potentially small lineups, like we saw them tried out there on Wednesday for, for, you know, Nate Knight only played five minutes. So with Rudy and Cat in foul trouble, it was Tori Pritz and Kyle Anderson in the front court. But if the Wolves can stay out of foul trouble, can keep Rudy or Cat on the floor at all times, they should have some second chance point opportunities, which just have not been there this season for the Wolves. It's easy to forget. That was a big part of what the Wolves did last year. A big part of their offense was second chance points. As bad as they were on the defensive glass, the Wolves were a good offensive rebounding team a year ago. Jared Vanderbilt was a massive part of that. Um, Rudy Gobert is a good offensive rebounder, but we've only seen that in spurts this year. It hasn't been consistent. So Rudy, Cat. And then Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, like those guys have to rebound their positions, but second chance points could be a big part of this game for Minnesota. Um, Secondly, Memphis is a good three-point shooting team. They don't shoot a ton of threes. They're 19th in three-point rate. They're 16th in three-point attempts per game, but they're sixth in percentage. um, And they've got some guys that are shooting light out. John Morant, by the way, like coming into this season, and what did he shoot last year? 34% from three. He was 30% the year before that. He's currently 45% from three on more than four and a half attempts per game. He's averaging a career high in attempts per game through 11 games so far. And by far a career high, 11 points higher than he shot last year. Obviously, that's going to come down a little, but 45% through 11 games is bonkers for John Morant. Desmond Bain is not surprisingly shooting 46%, one of the best shooters in the league. Dylan Brooks is 42%. John Conchar is 41%. And then beyond that, it drops off. Tyus is actually, Tyus Jones, the only other one that's above 30% on the roster. But um, this is a good three-point shooting team. They pick their spots and they're good at it. The Wolves have not defended the three-point line well. Part of that is bad luck. Absolutely, no question about it. But part of it is lack of hustle, lack of competitiveness, um, an inability to close out under control and contest shots. All those things have to be better against a well-coached, disciplined team like the Memphis Grizzlies. 
uh, because uh, discipline maybe isn't the best word. Um, they know what they're all about, and they're going to pick their spots when it comes to three pointers. Um, and, and and the Wolves need to be really careful with that because if they lose that three point battle like they have each of the last couple times out, they're going to be in big trouble. So, offensive rebound and opportunity for the Wolves. Second chance points will be important. Defending the three point line will be extremely important against this team. Um, and then the other thing is is playing fast. Memphis pace wise, they. They don't have a problem with playing fast, but they're currently 18th in pace in the league. And the Wolves have to get extra possessions as long as they're, like, we talked about this the other day. Yes, getting back in transition has been an issue defensively, but they're just not getting out and running enough. D'Lo, Ant are both guilty of slow walking the ball up the floor. It's why it was almost refreshing in a weird way when Rudy Gobert sprint dribbled up the floor himself in the first half of the game the other day because somebody was actually pushing the basketball. Um, so the Wolves need to keep that pace up, and I know they're first in pace still and, and whatever, but but they still need to play faster, especially when the offense is struggling. Or actually, they're third in pace now. They went down a little bit after the last game. When the offense is struggling as much as it is in the half court, they have to get easy buckets in transition, and this is a good team to try and do that against with that starts a couple of seven-footers. I know the Wolves do too, but... Um, you know, John Morant's not going to be a good defender in transition. You try and get those guys in foul trouble as well. That's a way for the Wolves to get some easy points. So second chance points, fast break points, and then defensively guarding the three-point line is going to be huge. All right, let's look ahead briefly to Sunday, the matchup against the Cavaliers. As of right now, when I'm recording this, the Cavs are eight and three. They play Friday night at Golden State. They lost at uh, Sacramento on Wednesday. So they're eight and three now after that loss. They, I mean, at, Wash, at, at uh, Golden State, excuse me, is a tough game Friday. So they could be eight and four going into Sunday, but they've been one of the league's most impressive teams to this point. Um, you know, pretty much across the board, they're third in offensive rating, third in defensive rating. Um, they've been relatively healthy. Of course, no Ricky Rubio until probably after, well, almost certainly after the first year with the ACL, but Donovan Mitchell has been unbelievable. He's averaging just a shade under 32 points per game. He's shooting 51% from the field and almost 45% from three, which are marks that Donovan Mitchell is not that's not typical Donovan Mitchell, right? He's shooting the ball absolutely lights out. They've got a just a massive lineup with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Um, I to this point, I, I underestimated how good the Cavs would be. I did a whole show, I, like I'll just admit this, back in August or whenever the Donovan Mitchell trade happened, when I said, like, hey, why are people talking about the Cavs as a much better team than the Wolves? I like the Wolves roster better. Well, as of right now like 11 games, 12 games into the season, in the case of the Wolves, I was dead wrong. I mean, obviously lots of time for things to change, but the Cavs have gelled extremely nicely. Kevin Love, Chetty Osman have both been great off the bench. Um, Darius Garland has started to play well for them. They've got a couple of good perimeter defenders, Isaac Okoro. Um, Karis LeVert hasn't been great offensively, but he still gives them something in terms of length and size. This is just a well-rounded team. Um, the Wolves are absolutely going to have their hands full with the Cavs. The Cavs are... Um, 18th in three-point attempt rate, but they're second in percentage. So not all too different from Memphis. They actually take less and make make a higher percentage of threes than Memphis. Um, 40% as a team from three for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, they're number one in defensive rebound rate. Jared Allen is an absolute monster. Um, of course, Kevin Love is still a monster on the glass. He's actually, his rebound rate is 38.8%, which is nuts. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are both really good on the glass as well. Um, Robin Lopez has been a good player for them too. So uh, I really like their team. I really like the Cavs and that's going to be a tough matchup on Sunday. The quick, my quick, um, you know, keys for that game are going to be uh, rebounding the basketball, 
It's going to be hard to get second chance points against them, but at least keep them off the offensive glass where they're 12th in, in second chance points, run them off the line wherever possible. And the best players have to stay out of foul trouble against Cleveland. They need the size of Rudy and Cat. They need the length of Jaden McDaniels and the Cavs do a good job of getting to the line. Um, so more important than ever, the Wolves have to be really careful about just staying on the floor against the Cavs. Uh, but that should be a fun game. I mean, if the Wolves can play well Friday, be competitive in Memphis and hopefully get a win, that game in Cleveland on Sunday should be a ton of fun to watch uh, the J.B. Bickerstaff coach Cavaliers, to see Mitchell and Gobert play each other, to see Kevin Love again. Um, that should be a lot of fun. That'll be a, a, a Sunday evening game. Um, and then, of course, that postgame pod will be Monday. So after Friday's game, we'll do the live postcast with Marty Gellner about 45 minutes following the game. So that'll be what, like, geez, I don't know. That game doesn't tip until 8.30, so it'll be done at about 11 Central. So it'll be a little before midnight. Marty and I will get on the live postcast on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. And that'll post on the Lockdown Wolves feed. No full postgame pod on Friday, but Sunday following Wolves-Cavs will go live again with Marnie 45 minutes after that game. That's an earlier start, a 5 p.m. Central tip. And uh, the Monday morning podcast will be the postgame pod following Sunday's game. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks again to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. It's absolutely massively appreciated. Please help us out with a, uh, sub- a subscribe on YouTube, a follow um, a like on the video, comments, et cetera. It all helps, and we really appreciate it. A review, if you listen on Apple, would help a ton too. Um, of course, you could also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. You can watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, so be sure to check that out. Um, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. For your second listen today, go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.